Welcome, dear listener. It is volume five, episode one of Weekend at Crombies. And tonight we'll be reviewing the film Quick Change. Yes, welcome, dear listener. Uh, it is volume five, as I've said. Volume five, five years of Weekend five at Five years, our fifth year, who'd have thought? Indeed. One more year. Um, volume one, the first one uh, of, of this year. Um, my name is Dr. James Evans Esquire. Bluff Tony. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I'm Hugh. I look back there every night. That's why I conduct my own affairs in a hygienic fashion. Very good. Uh, now, before we start with uh, this uh, episode, I would like to know what you thought my quote of the film would be, because he did make comment of this before we I started. Did. So he said, if this is if it's not what I expected to be, I'll be very disappointed. Are you disappointed? The first line spoken in the film is, Hugh, let's not mess with me today. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do find that um, in, in any of the Weekend at Crombies films, it takes me at least about five minutes to pay attention. Uh, so I, I didn't really, I, I, I rarely, rarely understand anything that's going on within the first five minutes of any film. So I would have missed that. But yeah, very good. Very good. Um, it is it is quick change. It is quick um, change. Have we, have we mentioned that? Our film is quick change. Yes, we Quick have. change. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, Pre-credits. <laughs> I wasn't yeah. paying attention. <laughs> As yeah. we do every single time for the last five years. Uh, yeah, indeed. Uh, it, the, the Bill Murray, Gina Davis and Randy Quaid film. Um, although there's, a, it, the, you know, the cast goes quite deep My in this. My goodness, yes. Oof. Um, it was Hugh's choice. Um, indeed. Hugh, let's fire away. Let's, 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 let's make a start. Quick change. Let's, let's jump into it. Okay. Uh, so we, uh, we begin uh, in, in, Manhattan, um, where a Bill Murray uh, is dressed as a clown uh, and is quite, quite uh, suddenly making his way through the streets until he arrives at a bank. And it turns out that he's not a clown. He's a bank robber disguised as a clown. And well, the very know, first scene is the, him on the on the subway where yeah. everyone is obviously ignoring him, but not ignoring him, if that makes sense. <laughs> they're, 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 they're being inner city people in a, in a train. Just, <laughs> yeah. No one cares. And in fact, it's, it's a quite a nice contrast because we begin actually with a beautiful Manhattan sky. The sky is blue, it's shining, yeah. and it pans away and turns out that's just a poster <laughs> on a pic, on a train of actual Manhattan, <laughs> yeah. which is grim and dirty and horrible. Yeah, exactly. It is good because I thought it was a genuine, um, I thought it was a genuine scene. Because the music is really uplifting. It's like a, it's like yeah. a, um, it's an old swing tune. And so. Yes, L-O-V-E, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. L's the way that I love to <laughs> you. I know. I feel romantically engaged with you now. <laughs> <laughs> After five years. With a five-year yeah. engagement, that's a film we haven't done. Unless you announce it at the end of this episode, in which case that's a genius. We shall see. We shall uh, see. Anyway, so it begins, uh, in, he goes into a bank. I'm going to speed it along because I don't want to describe every element of the train. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> uh, turns out, um, so Bill Murray is playing a character called Grimm, who is dressed as a bank robber, and he begins in quite efficient uh, order to uh, take all the people, put them in the vault, uh, start bagging up money. Um, the, the bank is locked down and um, the, the police surround it. So it's, we've, we've got a neat, mid about five minutes, we have a bank hostage situation going on here. Uh, and it's worth mentioning the chief of police 
Uh, Chief Rotzinger is played by Jason Rombards. Uh, he's the guy that's running the hostage negotiation. Um, uh, you'd recognise the actor. He's a very oh, good yeah. character actor. He's the Oscar winner. Um, is he? Okay. Yeah, more than a character actor. Yeah, yeah, Does he win yeah, the Oscar Jason for? Um, he won the Oscar for, I think, Magnolia. Um, oh, right. The Paul Thomas, Thomas Anderson film. Um, wow. Very famous actor yeah, he's he, he's exactly who would pick as a, as a rugged chief of yeah. police who's at the end of his career um but uh, and so bill murray is basically uh, making a list of um, outrageous demands yeah, i want two helicopters i want a monster truck i want a bike and all this kind of stuff um and he's claiming he's put dynamite all over the banks so they can't storm it and he's saying i'll release one hostage for every one of my demands that you meet um so he uh, he again gets in the back has a bit of kind of a uh, bill murray-esque fun with some of the uh, the hostages like there's a sort of a yuppie that tries to bribe his way out um and he just goes i'll give yeah. you my watch it's worth twelve thousand dollars and he goes no I, I you can't give it to me i, I feel beholden <laughs> and he's sort of saying no no I'm, I'm giving it to you i'm giving it to you and he buys it from for three hundred dollars saying would you would you take three hundred dollars oh thank you so much yeah um, <laughs> Uh, and uh, in we're part of the hostages is a uh, is um, a character played by Randy Quaid, who we named for that is Loomis, um, who is basically uh, going absolutely hysterical at the prospect of being gunned when he's he's crying and vomiting into his glove. Uh, and so everybody chooses him <laughs> to be the first one thrown out because he's just annoying everybody so much. So he's sent out first. Uh, and then the next two hostages uh, is uh, Gina Davis, who's playing another hostage called Phyllis, who is also sent out because she starts uh, um, shouting at all the other hostages for not being aggressive enough. Yeah. Um, and the third hostage is a person who looks a lot like Bill Murray. Um, <laughs> In a fake, fake beard. Fake, fake, fake moustache. <laughs> no, no, fake moustache, isn't it? Yeah, it's fake yeah. moustache and ginger wig, yeah. <laughs> so what we what we quickly deduce is that uh, Loomis, Randy Quaid, Eugenia Davis, Phyllis and Bill Murray Grimm uh, were all in it together. And the plan was for them to be the first three hostages released. Of course, Grimm has removed the clown makeup so he, he can't be recognised. Um, the three of them are released and they've got all the money strapped underneath their clothing. And so now the, the plan is that the police will just wait out the hostage situation indefinitely um, as Grimm will just keep on making telephone calls and, and delaying and delaying and delaying. And this is when the plot kicks in, really, isn't it? Yeah, this this was all the set. This is the first act. The first act is mm. a successful bank robbery. So what remains for the rest of the film is the getaway or lack of it, rather. Um, so it all, all goes rather wrong. Grimm is calling from like a payphone um, in a rough neighbourhood where he's pretending he's still in the bank because he's got the chief of police's uh, cell number. Um, and then as they, they, they got a bit of champagne and all, we made it. Um, but then Loomis accidentally slips on the getaway car's horn and it beeps. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's that's all that Rotzinger needs. The chief Rotzinger recognises, thinking that's out of place. I don't get that. Yeah, that's and not he, in the bank. Yeah. So they work out very quickly um, that yeah he is not in the bank anymore. So they break the doors down, free the hostages. Um, Grimm is a little bit annoyed at this crimp in their plans because he could have stalled for hours. But it's not for the end of the world because he knows a they don't know who they are because even Gina Davis and Randy Quaid have disguised their beards and wigs on, and they don't know who he is and they don't know their names and. It'll take some time for them to sort out the confusion, work out what happened, by which time they'll be on their plane and away to foreign shores with a million dollars. That was the entire plan. And he's, he's rather jazzed about making it. Um, yeah, he is. And so so is she. Yes, although she was so she, although then um, Phyllis then has what feels like um, two thirds of the film where she's trying to tell Grimm something, which is quite obviously that she's pregnant. Um, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's the first moment when she goes, I need to tell you something. And then interrupted, you go, she's going to say she's pregnant. And it <laughs> yeah. takes about an hour before we get there. Um, but she, she, she always, she, it, it, it's an interesting point because she's attracted to Grimm because almost because of his, um, he pulled off the bank robbery, didn't he? Yeah. Um, 
and that's you know that's what they wanted to do so yeah interesting that's yeah. the thing because they're not i mean just by the fact they've just stolen a million dollars they're not criminals they are no. they were grim was a he's a city planner which was yeah. way so disillusioned city planner he was very again he's in his full bill murray kind of hangdog expression he was disillusioned with the city and thought why don't you know everything's gone to hell why don't we just rob a bank and get yeah. out of here so he, he plans it meticulously gets out and again they said as they were planning it um they said, you know, Phyllis loved this stuff too. They couldn't discuss it unless they were near a bed. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, they, but but I think Phyllis now, having realised she's pregnant, is getting doubts. Also, the fact that um, Grimm seems to have actualised himself, saying, you know, I feel complete, I feel yeah, whole. Yeah. And she's, I think, and um, Loomis isn't helping, saying he's a master bank robber now. Yeah. Um, so Phyllis is feeling like they're just in his wake. You know, like, um, but but nonetheless, um, so the plans had a little crimp in it that the police are, are catching wise, but they can still get away. So they begin to drive off to the airport. This is it, freedom awaits. However, they can't get out onto the expressway um, <laughs> in, because, the, because the, speed, the city workers have taken down the sign, so they miss it. And when they drive back, realizing that was the sign, the city workers are no help at all because yeah. it's like, um, where was the arrow pointing? We don't know. We're not <laughs> around here. Well, when you put up the new sign, we're not taking, putting That's up a new it. sign today. We're taking the sign down today. It's next week we're going to put the sign up. <laughs> Are they actually they said they, um okay we can we can say that the whole movie is a series of them not not getting getting in, yeah, into, yeah. into um, somehow him hampered or whatever this it's is one of the vignettes aren't they the vignettes of situations yeah. that they find themselves in which yeah. prevent them getting to the airport yeah i think this is actually one of the funniest ones when the, the, the workers are just cheerfully being help, um, yeah, they, helpful yeah they're, they're, but they're not, not knowing vindictive. that they're being unhelpful yeah they're not being vindictive or anything it's like yeah. no we, we don't we don't know we don't know no we don't know <laughs> Bill Murray, a grim comes out of the car saying well thank you very much for your help i've really learned something today Oh, that's what we're here for. <laughs> but he's obviously you, being sarcastic. You, you couldn't. You could have given us help, but you've given yeah. us so much more. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Yeah. Um, so they, they so they continue driving, trying to find their way out. They they pass um, a, a Hispanic jousting match on bicycles, <laughs> which is bizarre. <laughs> it's bizarre. And, <sighs> and then they then they meet um, a uh, a suspiciously pleasant person wearing a, a pink Pringle sweater. Um, and they all and he says, oh, "I'll be glad to help you. Come, I've got a map." Yeah. And they think this is this is suspicious. And it turns out he is. He's a robber, and he robs yeah. their suitcases, not realizing they have a million dollars tucked under their clothes. Tucked he just. Yeah. He, and of course, the suitcases have all of their clothes that they want to change into. Yeah, they they need so they hence can't, quick change. Hence quick change. They, they can't. Well, there's lots of quick changes. They say. Yeah. Uh, so they can't go to the airport in the clothes of in the bank. So they've got to go back to Gina Davis's apartment um, to get spare clothes. As they're there they realise that the new tenants have already moved in and they catch them in the act, um, thinking they're about to rob them. So now he, uh, the, the new tenant holds them at gunpoint, um, quite terrified because he thinks they're yeah. robbers. It's quite funny because it was played by Phil Hartman yeah, yeah. Uh, from The Simpsons fame. Yeah. Or Troy McClure. So, yeah, so while Phil Hartman's holding them prison, they've they parked by a fire hydrant thinking, will only be a minute, it'll be a problem. Of course, a building nearby catches on fire and the fire brigade arrive um, and they throw the car, the car, yeah, the car, the car. Way down a hill, which rolls out and ends up in a ditch. Um, and so uh, actually the Grim though displays another ca capacity for kind of manipulation when he manages to talk Phil Hartman's character um, basically into... into um, he, he basically, basically what's his, his, yeah, he just gets under his skin so much saying, oh yeah. my God, man, you were at Woodstock and now you're holding yeah. me. What, what, yeah, what, what happened wrong? in that decade? Yeah, we're, we're freaking living a farm and, and his yeah. wife comes along and she's going, what are you doing? Why are you holding me the government? He goes, come on, he's he made the leap, didn't he? And uh, So he, he, he completely uh, befuddles them. But and in the they, end, they, they're quite friendly to them, aren't they? They are, yeah. Um, although they do realise that their car has been thrown off a hill, so they're, they're yeah. in trouble. Um, and in fact, there's a moment as the uh, so the police, um, again, Ratzinger is now, Ratzinger is now in the bank, having trying to sort out the hostages and everything. Um, there's quite a quite a funny uh, funny moment in the uh, 
There's, there's lots of furry things in this. Oh, there are. So, yeah. They, uh, he's walking past the press corps who are like yelling at him and they're saying, did you send men in the sewer? Why did you waste time in the sewer? Are you searching the sewer? And he goes, where do they get these stories from? And he walks past two policemen in, in sewer gear, stinking <laughs> And it's not, it's just as he walks to the next scene. It's not, nothing's no, made it's of, not commented on either, is it? Yeah, it's, it's genius like that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, so very well done. But, um, but as they work, as Ken Rotzinger isn't a fool, he's, he's actually quite switched on and he managed to deduce these things uh, and says, you know, those three have got away now. They're probably, you know, leaping up for joy. And when we yeah. come back, three of them leaping up trying to catch a taxi because, <laughs> uh, of course, they can't catch a cab. This is the next crimp. And then even worse, the cab driver yeah. arrives, uh, played by Tony Shalhoub in a yeah. very early role for Tony Shalhoub. But quite a characterful role he played those early things of playing a, a person of nondescript foreignness. I would, I would say, I would say nondescript, but well, I'd say Middle Eastern, perhaps. It could um, be, but it could be Eastern European. It could be. That's it, the thing. It, it's a. Yeah. I, I say Middle Eastern too, but it is just he it, is yeah. he is um, really relentlessly foreign. I'd say because he's, <laughs> he's, he's, yeah, he is aggressively foreign, isn't he? He, he, makes, yeah. he makes he makes not aggressive. He's very timid. No, yeah, 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 that's true. But he he makes um, he makes. A, a noise that sounds like where to and they go oh the airport and then he's driving along and she goes where to yeah. <laughs> and he goes, he, he, he's wondering what airport it's jfk yeah. jfk okay yeah. where to <laughs> but then, <laughs> the uh, airport. Each, each time each time that he does it when they answer he goes oh, oh yeah 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 yeah, okay. yeah. And then they hold up a picture of the airport and they point to it and they point it goes he gets it now he gets it now he gets it now. and then the, the carriage is just talking with themselves and he goes where to <laughs> So, this is one of those scenes in a film that could only be in the 80s. You couldn't do this scene now. And I, oh, I, I don't, I can't dispute that the, the, the Tony Shalhoub's character might be considered as racially insensitive by modern standards. I, I, but, I, yeah. but I was laughing my head it's, off. It, this bit is really fair. I will say it, um, it takes a bit of a dark turn. We'll come into the, what happens yeah. to the cab driver later on. But yeah, the, the initial thing of they think they've solved the problem. And he's like, where to? Yeah. <laughs> Um, and it's, again, in between these where twos, Tony Shalhoub is, I assume, improvising gibberish because he keeps yeah, on just, just saying things. Um, uh, so at this point, uh, Loomis, who is it was a bit high strung anyway, um, he is basically the oaf to their, in their trio. Yeah. Um, well, it's Randy Quaid, isn't it? Yeah, it's Randy Quaid. He's the Randy Quaid in their trio. <laughs> uh, he, I think the final story is when uh, Tony Shahoub just runs past a red light. It's like, he yeah. can't even tell red from green. Um, and they see another cab in the street. It's Randy Quaid jumps out of the moving cab to try and get the other one um, and basically hits the ground running and keeps on running until he hits a newsstand and knocks himself unconscious. Um, so this now stalls their getaway plan again. They've got to get out. They've got to kind of wake him up. Um, and... And, and they obviously uh, don't want the ambulance to come. Well, they've called the cops as well. Like everyone's crowding yeah. around and saying, "Get the cops!" There's a dead man here. Um, <clears throat> and then um, Tony Shahoub's cab driver is is kind of he, he stops and he pulls around that he kind of is distressed. He he's killed them. Doesn't he's, he? he's killed a man. So he's walking around distressed. There's a big crowd. Um, the police are coming. So they basically drag Randy Quaid off into a side alley into the first door they find, which just happens to be a mob hideout. <laughs> Um, with, of, with, of, with with um, uh, Stanley Tucci. I'll and, tell you uh, how long this was. Stanley Tucci had most of his hair. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, he did, he did, yeah. Stanley Tucci and Victor Argo as well. Yeah. Oh, blimey. This cast. Um, yeah, I know, so, honestly. So Victor Argo is is the boss, and Stanley yeah. Tucci is like the Weasley nephew. Um, yeah. And it's 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 so again. Once, once <laughs> again, again it's, it's so it's so farcical, isn't it? Because the boss says something, and then Stanley Tucci repeats it. But he doesn't repeat it. He he milks it. It's like <laughs> as if the boss would just go, "We didn't say nothing about a new guy. Tell him that he didn't say nothing about any new." 
<laughs> and the irony is, it's both it's both Johnny the the, the stooge milking it, but it's the other thing is Stanley Tucci the uh, yeah. milking it too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's um, really good because he's got an enormous piece of chewing gum that he's relentlessly chewing. <laughs> it's yeah. just, um, and you think you think this is the end of them now, don't you? Yeah, because they're done for. They, they've walked yeah. into a Bob hideout. Because literally, there's like there's a table with money all over it. They've got guns. It's like they're quite obviously gangsters. And Grim once again thinks on his feet, saying, "We're here for the money." Yeah. Like, are you here? Are you here for the money? Yeah, we're here for the money. <laughs> it's like yeah. Mr. Lambino didn't say anything about the money. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so he manages to bluff them into giving them. They think there's a, a even bigger crime boss called Lombino. Yeah. Um, who again? He's not their usual bag man, but you know, how you would you how would you question Mr. Lombino? So yeah. they end up the normal giving, bag man is Mario, isn't he? Yeah, Mario, who's apparently a complete psycho. Yeah. So they're saying, oh, if you get rid of you, go and call call Mr. Lombino. You know, ask, check me out, and then Mario will come back. He's like, we don't want Mario back. We don't want Mario back. <laughs> it's, just, it's like no one, no one would be stupid enough to rip something. They give him, so they give Bill Murray another six thousand dollars. I suppose um, in all of this, no one questions who Phyllis or Loomis are. <laughs> 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 but you should imagine Lewis is still wearing like a lumberjack outfit. Yeah, Phyllis yeah. is in a lovely sundress. <laughs> and they're all they're all about three inches bigger than they should be because they've all got money <laughs> stuff underneath their clothes. Yeah, exactly. And Bill Murray is wearing a suit from her ex-boyfriend who's about twice the size of him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but nonetheless, they, they get given their six grand um, and and they walk out, at which point the police have surrounded the the, the convenience store where Loomis had his accident. Tony Shalhoub is, wondering, is wandering around muttering to himself, trying to look for the people he thought he killed. Um, and, and then they see a bus arrive and they've got but, brilliant. Yeah, this, got to this, get on bus, the bus. Yeah. this bus goes near the airport. So they, they drag a, a click. Loomis is in a bad way anyway. They drag him to the bus and they manage to get on the bus, at which point, um, well, they have got the bus driver. Um, first goes, do you have exact change? And he's like, no, here's $100. I only take exact change. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, <laughs> he is incredibly by the numbers um, yeah. jobs worth. Well, I like to think that he deals with the unpredictability of late 80s New York by fastidiously keeping to the rules. That's exactly what he says. He says, yeah, um, I, I make sure I deal with my affairs in a clean, hygienic fashion. So yeah, he's not yeah. moving an inch. And he goes, I'm leaving in one minute and 25 <laughs> seconds if you don't have exact change. So now, and then once this happens, then a car pulls up by the gang hideout and Mario steps out <laughs> to collect his money. Yeah. So basically, I know so basically Bill Murray, um, and this again, I'll just say it is the standout scene. Bill Murray then has to go from oh, the bus. It's a he's got, he's scene, got one minute, 25 seconds. Yeah. He's got to go from the bus, sneak past the police, go in the convenience store, get change um, whilst a lady is in front of him buying an enormous amount of groceries and the grocery clerk is in no hurry to get them bagged. Um, at the same time, Tony yeah. Shalhoub has been discovered by the police police and he, they are asking who he wants to see at the same time the mafia guys are running out of the hideout saying we've been robbed someone's taken yeah. our money at the same time Phyllis and Loomis are waiting in the bus and they're not allowed to duck because the, 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 the driver won't let them go past the white line until they've paid their exact change <laughs> yeah, so they're not allowed to sit down on the bus <laughs> and doesn't doesn't Ratzinger turn up as well Ratzinger then turns up as well and Tony Shalhoub is like is like yelling that's him yeah. that's him yeah. Um, and so basically, it ends up with Bill Murray just about getting the change. Which again, as the clerk, the clerk is breaking the the the, um, the dial, um, the the, um, the roll of nickels explodes on the floor. So he's picking up all this. <laughs> yeah. But it's funny because the woman, the woman who's ahead of him in the queue, asks, "What did she ask for? She asked for some 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 Nescafe, tin." She she has the money in her hand. He's about to take it. He goes, "And I'll have another the Nescafe. It's another decaf." <laughs> and, yeah, it's up there at the top. Yeah, See, and, the, yeah. the and Bill Murray it. also is being incredibly polite because in the queue behind him. 
him and two policemen are just stopping for some food as well so he can't do anything but be very polite and patient he starts packing slightly too aggressively for her that's the he's he's so he's he's trying to be so efficient and smiley but he's also incredibly frustrated it's one it's a really great comic comic acting isn't it fantastic especially as towards the very end he's he's putting in her eggs and and there's a massive two liter bottle of <laughs> whilst smiling and like, oh, no, 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 let me help you out. Whilst the music is pumping up, and again, the mobsters are running around and Tony shots tokens, tokens go everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> He's picking him up off the floor. Yeah. Oh dear. It's yeah, a great scene. Was, yeah. So um. <clears throat> So they're on the bus. They managed to get the reason they managed to get on the bus is because Mario spots them and makes a run for them. Um, but Tony Shahu points at them and the, the police tackle down Mario by yeah. accident. Um, at which point Rotzinger then recognizes, oh, you're Lombino's bagman. Mm. Um, so they throw him and um Tony Shahu in the back of the police start to interrogate them while the bus drives off, unaware they've let the uh, the three bank robbers get away. They thought they were catching Mario. Um so yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so they're so they they're now basically they're, they're in the bus. Um Again, just kind of um, recovering themselves. I think it's this point when Gina Davis and Phyllis decide she's not going to go off on the run with. Uh, yeah. Because basically, basically, he's just too competent. He managed, he's managed to fool the mob and uh, and get more, more scrapes, and she just doesn't want her life like that. And Loomis at this point um, is is lying on her lap. It looks like she's <laughs> breastfeeding him. <laughs> it really does, because Bill Murray then comes up and goes, "Isn't is it time we moved him to formula?" <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And of course, she doesn't find that funny at all because she's kind of <laughs> telling him that she's pregnant all this time. Uh, but yeah, so um, and to what's, what's they're going off by the bus, um, I suppose we can mention it now. There's another scene where the bus stops and um, and uh, basically, yeah, it looks like a, a, a busker or some kind of vagrant yeah. with a large guitar on his back tries to get on the bus and um, not realising his guitar is, is at an angle that won't let him walk through the doors and rather than stop and rearrange himself he just keeps trying to get through the doors um, <laughs> and keeps getting stopped and of course um, Grimm is now on a very tight time scale he's, in, he's asked the bus driver who, who said <laughs> basically like well, you, no, you the, the airport? The I go, the, yeah. yeah I go near the airport <laughs> how far are you and he goes well how, how long would it take with that individual I can't say for certain just take a guess 21 minutes yeah well, he says how far away 0.4 miles yeah <laughs> so how long would it take to, to walk yeah I can't say with that individual 21 minutes yeah. It gives them nine minutes to get they to got, the airport and get on their nine plane. Minute window, and already they're being delayed by this guy who wants yeah. to get on the bus but can. So basically, uh, the bus driver again, who's keeping to a schedule, closes the doors and drives off. At which point, this this driver, this guitarist, flings himself at the bus and and and, uh, and manages to force his way through the doors of a moving bus. And they can't get him on, and they can't get him off. No. <laughs> and he says, "What if I pay for his ticket? Do you have the exact change? <laughs> <laughs> You've got a problem." <laughs> and. Um, they end up giving him the six thousand dollars they stole from the mob. Yeah. Just saying, I'll give you this if you just get off this bus. Yeah. Um, so, so they, they uh, as they drive along. Meanwhile, Rotzinger is um, is talking to to um, Mario, who's giving up nothing. Um, and then they bring in Tony Shalhoub, who looks fairly dishevelled, and it's like, I thought I asked you for an interpreter. Oh, well, sorry, Chief. I thought you meant I wanted to interrogate. It's like, yeah. is he being taken to the back and beaten up because yeah. he looked pretty roughed up? And uh, and yeah, there was um. 
there's even like um, like Ratzinger was saying, like he came to this country to get away from that. It's like did the police yeah. just torture him? It's kind of and he's and Tony Shalhoub now is playing it very distressed. Yeah, he is, isn't he? Yeah. He gets more yeah. and more distressed. He's yeah. gone from the nice smiley Huerto to um just it's like he's almost sobbing in every scene. He's like maybe this just went a step too far in the, yeah. in the funny foreigner. I think it becomes a I think he realizes at one stage that he's in the back of a police car with a mob informant <laughs> yes. as well. Yeah. But yeah. uh but but the, the the police arrive at a, an unspoken conclusion, saying we'll go to the airport, we'll get him there. Uh, so they drive off. Uh, at which point, Grimm and the gang have now reached their destination, zero point four miles from the uh, the station. Uh, and See, this is a scene I really like as well. Yeah. So they, <laughs> yeah. So um, Phyllis is saying like, you know, I'm not going to get with you, and they look down an incredibly dark and sinister alley, <laughs> and she goes, but maybe I'll stick with you just a little bit longer. <laughs> It's, it's the lady with the flowers. Oh, this Kevin, this, yes. It had me cracking. I was creasing up. So they're hobbling, they're hobbling along. Um, so they're hobbling along this dark alley, dimly lit. Loomis is not making the pace. And then and all of a sudden, yeah, this old lady comes along. And just look at, was it? Um, she's, singing some kind of, she's singing some kind of Spanish eulogy which is a, a callback kind of to like a funeral pie or something or yeah. a callback to to uh, generations gone by and it's really no, it's, it's called back to, it's haunting called back, yeah but it's called back like to like a street car in Brazil, something like that it's one of those yeah, old films but yeah. what the formerte what the formerte and they're, they're, this is saying like um and Gina Davis like I'm glad she's not screaming anything symbolic because <laughs> <laughs> she's screaming flowers for the dead and, yeah. <laughs> and both Grimm and Phyllis know this and literally yeah. she she is just out of nowhere in a single light with these yeah. flowers for the dead screaming this there's litter blowing around her because nothing else on this alleyway it's yeah. brilliant and as soon as again Loomis is like I, what does it even mean and Grim's like I don't know what it means and like shoots Phyllis like, saying don't tell him what it means but Phyllis <laughs> mistake goes oh it means flowers for the dead at which point Loomis just loses it and falls yeah. on the ground sobbing um and then they, they are saved by uh one of those little uh trolleys that, that collect baggage from the airport yeah uh who uh who manages to give them uh, a little ride to the airport? Um, so they've, they've made it now. They 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 haul into the trolley. They, they give the trolley driver um, twelve hundred dollars to save them because uh, <laughs> Bill Murray goes or Grim goes. He had a sixth sense that we're in some kind of jam. <laughs> um, so they they do make it to the airport and they um but there's again a, there's another funny scene coming up as well. Which really it's like where Loomis has to get his money off him. Oh no, I like the one. It's Russ Crane. That oh, Russ. <laughs> So go, go on. They're, they're in the queue now to get their tickets. It's, it's a busy queue. <laughs> it's a busy queue, and uh, Bill, the, the, Bill Murray goes up. Oh, Grim goes up to the uh, the counter. Um, obviously, just he pushes in all the way up to the front, um, and then there's this really obnoxious character behind him that says, "Excuse, excuse me, what are you doing?" And uh, he goes, I've, "I've just got one question." So, he goes, why is there such a big queue? So the guy by the counter says, "It's because there's a lot of people," um, and. Uh, he says the guy behind him says, "Wait, um, what? Oh, I can't remember what he says. He says like, uh, nobody does this to Russ Crane. <laughs> nobody does this to Mrs. Russ Crane. Yeah. He says, who do you think you are? Some kind of um, second-rate stewardess. Says, Wait, <laughs> what, kind, what kind of a man does a woman's job? You're afraid you're a real man's job. No one does this to Russ Crane. I, I haven't Russ described Crane, this well enough. Yeah, Russ, Crane, Russ Crane is played by Kurtwood Smith, who again, yeah. um, was probably again he was in Robocop, but he was again pulling famous in the '70s show as basically the bullet-headed, no-nonsense um, yeah, flash right. guy. And that's who he is. He's, he's in an ascot and a jacket, and he's a uh, yeah. very much he's an, he's an arsehole. Yeah, <laughs> but a rich one. Um, <laughs> Which, of course, Grimm plays up for the full effect by just smiling sweetly at the, uh, yeah, the, exactly. the counter saying, I'm ever so sorry. And then he gets served immediately. Yeah. 
this is no one does this to Russ Crane. Yeah. <laughs> no one does this to Mrs. Russ Crane. That was the thing. It was, it was Mrs. Russ Crane, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, we'll come back to. But again, point. So now, um, they, they they have to split up to go through the um the metal uh, to go through the airport security separately. This is actually a callback. This is made in 1990, by the way, because they were saying like, why do we have to tape this money to our bodies? You know, because of the metal detectors in the uh, we could have put it in a bag, but we can't because of the detectors in the yeah. uh, in the airport. They, those terrorists are really ruining it for everyone. Aren't they? Yeah, pre 9/11. Oh yeah, and um, so they. Uh, they just agree to split up, but Phyllis it basically Phyllis hasn't decided whether she's coming or not. I mean, Grim puts as much psychological pressure short of telling her that he loves her, which is the one thing he realizes he should have done. Yeah. He basically, um, but he, uh, but as so he has, but he has to go with Loomis, partly because Loomis needs to be pushed in a wheelchair now. He's actually so battered up, and he needs to get the money off him. At which point, there is a very um, low comedy thing where Grim and Loomis are in the men's cubicle, and there's just <laughs> signs of groaning and, and ripping as they remove the yeah. money. And uh, all you see is that is a very disgusted-looking man washing his hands while he hears this uh, stuff go on behind him in the cubicle, yeah. uh, and he just ends up with, uh, "You people can keep this city." <laughs> it's, it's very carry on. It's very carry on. Um, but we end up we're now in the in the airport, and of course the the Rotzinger has arrived at the airport too, and he's briefing his men, saying, "I'll go in and make the arrest alone. Um, you you storm in after me um, and and get them." <coughs> um, but again, Grim and Loomis have arrived and in, in their seats um, to find that Phyllis is not there, and they're, and. Mm. Grim actually then decides he's going to he's going to stay and take the consequences to try and find Phyllis. But he's saying, Loomis, you go for God's sake, get a doctor when you land. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, but I'll I'll stay for Phyllis. But before that can happen, um, they're, they're being yelled at by uh, Mr. Uh, by Russ Crane and Mrs. Russ Crane. <laughs> well, actually, Mrs. Crane isn't doing anything. Russ Crane is yelling at them by just telling them to sit down. They're they're ruining Miss, Mrs. Mrs. Russ Crane's pre-flight <laughs> beverage. Is, how is your bloody Mary, dear? Is it spicy enough? <laughs> Mrs. Just, Crane is saying nothing. He says first class has gone downhill. They'll let any old ruffian in. You know, he's actually saying these mileage upgrades. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> um, at which point, uh, Rotzinger arrives on the plane with his gun out, uh, about to make an arrest. But dun dun dun, he's mm. not there to arrest Grim. He still doesn't know who Grim is. He's there to arrest Russ Crane, yeah. aka yeah. Mr. Lombino, um, because in fact, when he had. Uh, Tony Shalhoub and Mario in the back of his car saying we'll need him for the identification. He was referring to Mario. Mario has flipped and is turned on his boss, um, Mr. Because Russ Because he's Crane. been sleeping with Mrs. Russ Crane. Which we find out immediately when Russ Crane wrestles with Rotzinger and Mrs. Russ Crane um, starts punching both of <laughs> punching both. She grabs the bag of money and starts whacking them both of it as, uh, as Loomis is saying, can you find something else to hit them with, please? Yeah. She's got the broadest Brooklyn accent you can. Yeah, Mrs. Russ Crane would say looks like a, you know, a supermodel. She's just, you know, she's got porcelain skin and yeah. drawn back hair, and they've dubbed her over with this like New Jersey accent. <laughs> yeah, she sounds like what's? Yeah, she sounds like um, who's that actress? Who, oh, I know who you mean. Yeah, um, oh, uh, Fran Drescher. That's it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. I was sleeping with Tony. <laughs> <laughs> At which point, Grim, who's helping wrestling to the ground, says, "No one does that to Mrs. Russ Crane." Eh? <laughs> Like don't antagonize him. Uh, so that the the gun flies everywhere. The, um, um, Lombino is about to grab it, but then the toilet door opens and it's Phyllis who did stay on. Um, and the toilet door whacks him on the head and he's apprehended. Um, Phyllis is about to surrender before Grim gives her a nod, saying he's not trying to arrest us. Um, and that's it. So Lombino is thrown in the thing. Um, Rotzinger is a hero because, of course, Lombino is is a, an escaped mafia kingpin who is sort of ten times the worth of any bank robber. Mm. Um, so he's made a fantastic collar, and he's so happy he takes down Grimm's name because um, he wants to give him a commendation. Um, of course, uh, then Grimm has to really disguise his voice and make yeah. it a name. 
Uh, like Gummy's telling is it Chipper Chipperhausen or something? Yeah, he calls himself Chipelski. Chipelski, that's because it. earlier in the film, um, uh, during the heist scene, um, uh, Ratzinger, Ratzinger asks what what you should what, what what you should refer to him as, and just called I want to be called Skip. Yeah. Uh, really wanting to be called no, call me Chip. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's so, yeah. he calls himself Chipelski. Yeah. So as the, again, they so the three of them are now on their plane. They fly off to freedom. Um, and triumphant, Rotzinger gets in his car and goes, I really need to thank that Mr. Skipowski. No, Chipowski. And then he has a good double thing. Oh. Yeah. And, but they're off. They're done. Um, all is well. The, the, happy ending. Happy For ending. All. For everyone. And that, yeah, and that is that. So that, that is the end of the, of the film Quick Change. Nicely done. Uh, and yeah, I, I, um, I, I was, it was as funny as watching the film itself. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten some of those scenes as well. I only watched it yesterday and I've forgotten oh. some of them. But yeah, that's I'm going to have to give one more one line again. I've uh, probably come to the, the, uh, the analysis of Gina yeah. Davis not having much to do, but there was a few, she gets a few one liners. And one of them is when they're staggering to the airport in that in that alley and an airplane flies over their heads. And he like, oh, yeah. goes, is that our airplane? He goes, no, if that was ours, it'd be crashing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's very good. Very good. Um, but well, yeah, that, so that's, that's the synopsis wrapped up nicely. Um, join us when we will deep dive into the analysis of the film and given it was Hugh's film, why he chose it. So uh, get yourself a cup of tea and come back soon. Welcome back, dear listener. Uh, we have uh, rattled through the synopsis of, of Quick Change. Um, I am interested in knowing why Hugh chose Quick Change. I'm sure you are too. So, Hugh, without further ado, why why Quick Change? And, and um, can you kind of describe some of the kind of key themes and th thoughts that you have about the film? Why Quick Change? So, um, I mean, it was made in 1990, so it's, it's smack in the middle of my nostalgia sweet spot. Um, yeah, I, I mean, although it's made in 1990, sorry to interrupt you, it, 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 I think it was released in 1990. It has an 80s feel to it, though, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, very much. So. Yeah, it's, it's at the end of that. Um, I although, would call it an 80s film rather than a 90s film. Yes, although they, there's some things into it, that I think, that, that look forward and back to it. Yeah, OK. Um, but it's got elements in it. So basically, yeah, it, um, and again, I didn't see it in the 80s, um, or the late 90s. I saw it um, on TV because no one saw this in the cinema because um, it would no. come to its box office, yeah. uh, which is very poor. Um, so <clears throat> it was part, so I, I think I must have only seen it once or twice, um, but it stuck with me. Um, I think because, again, um, being a level of kind of heist movies, complicated plots, farce, um, yeah. and also, again, the cast. The cast is very good. When I picked it, I had no idea it had the strength and depth. I knew Bill Murray, Gina Davis, Randy Quaid. I'd forgotten yeah. about Tony Shalhoub and Stanley Tucci and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, what a casting it gets, like, you know, finding the meeting on the bounty when you've, you've cast all these people in yeah, minor exactly. roles. Um, so, so, that was, um, so that was why I had it in my mind. It's kind of percolating away there. I think I... I came to pick it, um, partly because again, it's a light comedy that I fondly remembered, but also um, the fact it did so badly. And I was, mm. I was genuinely curious. I don't know how I was looking around it and I found this out. But again, it was it was produced, written and directed by Bill Murray. Yeah. And this was Bill Murray at his most Bill Murray. This was, I think it was pre-Groundhog Day, which was kind of the turning point in screwing it to more serious or, or art yeah. house roles. But this was in, in the smack and the dip, uh, you know, this is off the back of Ghostbusters, Scrooge, you know, well, what about well, Rob is... Caddyshack? This was like a 10, yeah. 15 year run when Bill Murray couldn't put a foot wrong. And this film was a massive failure. It, it tanked, didn't it? It was absolutely yeah. tanked. I mean, it, it's interesting because I've I've got the um I've got the list of films that 
Bill Murray did immediately before yeah. and immediately after Quick Change. <laughs> and when you look at them, I'm, I'm not so sure that he had the run that we think he did. Oh. And it, it's, well, I, he's, he's certainly box office, but 1984 Ghostbusters, obviously. Yeah. But then later in 1984, he released a film called The Razor's Edge, which is a World War II dramatization, a serious film where he plays a soldier. Yeah. And it absolutely tanked. You know, it's one of the, the biggest blocks, uh, box office flops of the 80s. Okay. And his, his performance in it is it's been castigated Un unfairly i think but but nevertheless 1988 was scrooged yeah. a, a, a critical flop although a commercial success yeah. ghostbusters 2 a critical flop yeah. although a commercial success then quick change then what about bob a critical flop but a commercial success <laughs> and then groundhog day in 92 a critical success and a huge box office success in oh, fact okay. quick change Quick Change bucked the trend in that it was a critical success, but a commercial <laughs> flop. Ah, interesting. So he he was in he was in four or five films in the mid to late eighties and very early nineties, which were critically panned but yeah. did well at the box office. Scrooged, Ghostbusters two, and um, What About Bob? And which you could basically say was cruising off that Ghostbusters success. Oh, absolutely, because he because he'd come into Ghostbusters, you know, off the yeah. back of Caddyshack, Stripes, Tootsie, yeah, yeah, exactly, really Tootsie good films, well, yeah, really good um, films. And one film that was critically acclaimed, Quick Change, did nothing at the box office yeah. before he had Groundhog Day, which was, I think, the transition into his kind of mid to late career as he yeah, moved into yeah, the. Absolutely. He could make, he could choose what he wanted to do then. Yeah, and I understand Des. I think he's just got a, a, an answer phone where people call up, and he'll if he gets the message, he might answer it and take yeah, exactly. it. He doesn't have an agent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So yeah, I, I took it because it seemed an out of step for Bill Murray. Again, it's well, you mentioned that again that yeah, those films wouldn't have that, and you, and you're right. It seems almost the legend of Bill Murray now is bigger than it was at the time because I yeah. my my recollection of Bill Murray is again he, he at that moment he was you know massive in the 80s and I'm sure there was television you know, that, that was what was making him successful oh sure because he but was again, part of the Saturday Night Live crew wasn't yeah. he you know so he and had I, a big big television kind of following yeah. as well and I guess Ghostbusters being such a monolith you know that that carries you for a lot of years um, well it does Ghostbusters is one of those films which is it's more than a film isn't it it's a it's a culture it's a it's a cinematic game changer yeah absolutely. kind of film isn't it and so I suppose, yeah, I mean, even though now, yeah, um, he, he, you know, he does some strange projects, sometimes his name will appear, sometimes it won't. It's not exactly he's he's knocking out the, the blockbusters, no. but he's but his his sort of his legend is enormous. So you'd assume back in his heyday, every film would be a, a success. And you just listed the ones again that post Ghostbusters. So between Ghostbusters and Groundhog Day was real doldrums. And yeah, and, and so you think quick change, a film he directed and wrote and starred in would be as bad as Bill Murray a film you could get. And it absolutely tanked. You think, it did. Well, how did and, that happen? Yeah. And um, reading something about um, what Bill Murray was saying about quick change was that he, he acknowledged that the films he had been in immediately before that, so Scrooged and Ghostbusters 2, although they had made a lot of money, he was dissatisfied with them because they they were they were panned by the critics and he didn't he didn't feel he didn't feel that they were i didn't say worthy but he, he felt that they weren't as they didn't show him they didn't show his talent the way that they could ghostbusters 2 was just a cash-in yeah, and yeah. um you know scrooge i actually quite like scrooge but um it it, it 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 didn't play well with the critics so quick change was his almost this is my this is me putting everything into it yeah uh, i'm you know this is this is me doing this and actually it 
he was gutted by it because it just didn't succeed uh, yeah. commercially. Um, <clears throat> And the same with What About Bob to a certain extent, that's slightly different. Until Groundhog Day, obviously, when he went back with his Ghostbusters colleague, Harold Ramis, as the director. Yeah, so that was that to me, so it stuck in my mind. And when I looked into it, I thought, that's that's one worth looking at. Because I remember enjoying it and thinking, yeah. did it really make less money than it took to make it? Absolutely done. We're looking at we're thinking a budget of 17 million, a box office of 15.3 yeah. million. So, and, you know, 17 million in it's not an insignificant amount in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. So it, it was it was well funded. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it just it didn't take it. It didn't take it. It didn't wash its face even. Um, yeah. And I mean, what, one one of the other things about about the film was it was intended to be directed by Jonathan Demi originally, who pulled out to do Silence of the Lambs. Um, <laughs> can you believe? And so Murray stepped in with okay. um, I think it was Franklin Marshall. So it was a uh, Howard Franklin. Sorry. So it was a um, a, a dual directorship. Okay. Um, yeah, dual directorship. So Howard Franklin was the was the um, was the other director uh, who, who kind of supported him because um, yeah. obviously it was Bill Murray's only di- it's his only directorial credit yeah, as well yeah. actually yeah so um, yeah in terms of the themes of it then it's it's funny it seemed to again you're right does seem to fit in the 80s it does seem to look both forward and back though because mm. in one sense um, it's it's got that you know almost <laughs> it's not as grim as say Dog Day Afternoon but it, it's oh um, no it's 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 got that kind of um, almost a nod to it of the city being a horrible place and yeah. the only way to get out of it is to be a criminal and, and this kind of stuff, you know, the bank siege and everything like that. It's never it's never comes anywhere close to it, but of, of that idea, but it's like if Dog Day Afternoon was a comedy, um, it could be something like this. Yeah. But then, you know, looking forward in, so what made me think of the 90s rather than the 80s, because the 90s had a lot of this kind of... Um, the New York City's become a, a sweet place again. It's this place where you have light-hearted romantic comedies. Even mm. the fact that um, L O V E was playing as the tune, and I guess it was playing ironically because Bill Murray's miserable and the city's great. <laughs> yeah. But I was thinking that kind of stuff was used uh, in looking at films like It Could Happen to You with Nicolas yeah. Cage. Yeah, or and, Sleepless and in Seattle. Or, that's something um, I was thinking of. Yeah. Where it's all just la 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 la. It's mm. so lovely. It's so nice. Um, and this film was sits between those two things of being <laughs> a recognition of how horrible things. But it, you know, it all works out well for our characters in the end and they get away with it and we're happy at the end it's like um it's, yeah. it's a funny place thematically for that it, yeah you're right on that it, it, it is it is odd thematically because it um it's got an acerbic tone to it uh i mean driven by bill murray i mean bill murray's an interesting romantic lead isn't he yeah. because he he i don't think he traditionally seems like a, a, a you, you wouldn't you wouldn't put him down as a romantic lead but he's very good in this as a romantic lead and, and he's also, you know, the evidence, he's also very good in, for example, Groundhog Day as a romantic lead as well, yeah. playing very similar characters, you know, um, sarcastic, broken down, um, disillusioned with life and the place where he finds himself and so on and so forth. So um, it has that acerbic tinge to it, but it, it is, it, it's, it's, if this was made in the 70s, it would be a darker and tougher film, yeah. I think. Um, the fact that it straddles the 80s and 90s, I do, I do agree with you, actually, it's got a, it's got an 80s look to it i think more than a feel to it whereas i think it does look forward to the 90s in terms of the tone of of some of that kind of romantic comedy type aspects and i I think i think what makes it what makes it feel like an 80s film for me is the absurdity and the silliness of the crime aspect of it it feels and it feels like a caper yeah and you didn't really get many capers in the 90s if if that makes sense so no you're right you didn't the crime comedy in the 90s is 
the long kiss good night for example for example it's it's bombastic action comedy isn't it yeah. whereas for me in the 80s it's i think it's smaller scale um the, the the crime kind of romantic comedy is much smaller scale in the 80s um and it's it, it's much more caperish i think you know silly things happen it's a bit daft um, I think the only time a gun is discharged is when he's shooting the the um the cameras security cameras at the start yeah yeah exactly yeah because there's, 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 yeah. you know, there's this joke when they're dealing with the workman and gene jeffs goes you've got a gun shoot him and even when they're being held up by the um the the carjacker who takes their luggage there's yeah. never a sense that violence would ensue it's like no. you've got three armed bank robbers there but they just meekly hand over their money because they don't yeah. any trouble they're it's, just ordinary people that's trying to avoid there's actually a couple of this guns come out a lot but they're never discharged or fired they're just there to you know to force people to do things they're never actually there to to you know affect physical harm yeah no yeah exactly and that's what i mean by if if this was in the 70s i think guns would be discharged it'd yeah. be a bit grimmer but, but, actually, but there's a great stanley tucci's opening line when they walk into the um the mafia hideout he just springs out of nowhere and goes this ain't my dick in your back and <laughs> he just goes well that's a relief, that's a relief. <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but <laughs> The, the other thing, though, on it, which, which is which is what I quite like um, f- films from 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 the eighties. Again, appreciating this is a nineteen nineties film, but with that kind of tone yeah. from the eighties. But it was made in the eighties because it was released in the nineties, so like it's, it's yeah, really, yeah, belongs to the other decade. It, it's the fact that I mean, this was a, this was a fifteen certificate, so it's quite sweary, and yeah. it's a bit, it you know, it, it's not rude per se, but it, it's it's it's. It's tougher than a film of an equivalent type would be made today, I think, in, yeah. in, in terms of it. You know, it, it's a bit it's a bit rough around the edges. You know, it's a little bit insensitive um, to certain characters. Um, but that, that kind of roughness, that kind of slightly unhinged approach, I think, works really well. Whereas if, if this was made nowadays, I think it would be it would be too slick. Um, you know, it might, you know, it might be Bradley Cooper in, in the, in, in the Bill Murray role. And it, you know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be as, it wouldn't be as acerbic or as deliberately kind of almost lackadaisical. It, it would be too slick, I think. And it wouldn't work as well. Yeah. Well, you're right. I mean, it, Bill Murray often puts his stamp on the films he heads up and this is no exception. There's this, mm. you can't imagine anyone, you're right. If, if it been played by a different actor, we would have found Grimm a bit smarmy. And yeah, bit, definitely. And cringe. Um, somehow, again, Bill Murray gets it through with the, you know, the deadpan delivery, the fact that he can just twist people around by yeah, <laughs> what he says. And, um, he somehow just... manages it, though, doesn't he? Because yeah. I, I, I tend not to find Bill Murray a particularly engaging screen presence a lot of the time. Yeah. Well, I think I don't until I watch one of his films. <laughs> and then I find myself being highly entertained by his almost non-plusness his lack of effort yeah right he never seems to put any effort into the films he's in i think if he just put like 10 percent more effort in it'd be a it'd be it'd be a, it'd be one of the greats but <laughs> but that that slight lack of effort just makes his films quite idiosyncratic yeah um so let's have a think now so again coming actually to the the cast i mean it's it's a fantastic cast we've listed almost all of them and they're all you know absolutely stellar oh and yeah tend to do, and tend to do a good job i think I will come into some of the the issues I have with it. Um, again, Gina Davis, again favorite of the podcast, um, behind <laughs> behind merely John Lithgow in terms of a number of appearances. Oh, now definitely uh, yeah. is very has very little to do in the movie, and that's a problem. And um, because almost when when she's past the disguise phase, which of course is she's basically there as a cipher just to strap money to. When we see her in Phyllis's character, sort of twenty five minutes in, um, 
most of her role throughout the film is to not tell Grimm she's pregnant, to, to attempt to tell she's pregnant, yeah. and then get interrupted by something. <laughs> yeah. And, and yeah. okay, I mean, and that's part of the, that's a very old chestnut, you know. I'm, I've got something to tell you. Oh, hang on, look, one minute. Yeah. Uh, and so on and so on. And of course, we, the audience, work it out immediately. You know, someone is. <clears throat> it's like I feel for the way she says it, it's like. Um, I've got some, yeah, it's, it's, I know what you mean. There's something about the way she says it. You immediately know, don't you? Yeah, you immediately know. And, and again, and so, you know, if this was like a TV series and this was one episode where the character had to say something, that would be OK. But this is the entire film's character. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's a bit of a problem because she doesn't get to do much else. You know, she's also a bank robber. She could also show frustration or think of plans or whatever in the city. But she's mostly just there to hang off Grimm's arm and either tell him she's pregnant or tell him she's leaving, which is yeah. a bit of a waste of her. Um, again, she, she gets the good one liners, but it's you, you wonder what you know what is actually in this trio. Is it really just centering around Grimm? Yeah, Loomis and doesn't do much either. Apart from no, I think the, Loomis. Well, I think I think Randy Quaid is the the least valuable player in this, to be honest, yeah. because I, I find I find his character slightly irritating. It doesn't yeah. add a lot. Whereas whereas Phyllis, I I think I think for what Phyllis's role is, I think Gina Davis does really well. I think she plays Phyllis just a little bit, a little bit too serious and i mean that as a positive she plays it got half a step more serious than you might expect her to and that creates quite a lot of um it creates quite a lot of t- tension is probably the wrong word but it, cr- it creates quite a good connection between her and bill murray yeah. who, who is who is half a step less serious than he should be <laughs> if that makes sense so yeah. they balance themselves out a bit but i do agree with you that she doesn't have a huge amount to do but what she does do i think she plays it really nicely and that's yeah. the that's the skill and the quality of gina davis actually she's a very good um com- comedic actress i would have liked to to i would have liked to have seen more of her comedy chops in this i think absolutely because again there, yeah. there were those those one liners when she's like saying you know flowers for the dead it's like if i got something more symbolic and this is yeah at the end of their tether they yeah. they really think they're going to miss their plane and go to jail yeah. is that and our she, plane no no if it was our plane it would have crashed yeah. you know she, they, they're really kind of good acerbic one liners she's she's giving bill murray a run for his money money isn't she yeah but again with, with very little in that and in fact you're right about randy quaid there's nothing really his character contributes to the plot that couldn't have been accomplished by a passing car honking its horn or just yeah. the taxi breaking down and them having to stop outside the convenience store he doesn't again there's there's a bit of dragging him around some physical comedy um but he he is the the, the broadest performance and oh, yeah. yeah i mean there's a point where he just ends up screaming or crying or breaking down um and it's, yeah it's, it's a bit much and there's i didn't quite know whether the again the phyllis loomis relationship stood because at the beginning at the beginning, they're all very happy and huggy because they've got away. Yeah. But when things get bad, they're Just, kind of they're yeah. sniping at each other a bit. Because it's like, yeah. well, what are you doing? I'm looking for an exit, Phyllis. Yeah. And you think, are they going to be antagonistic? But then very quickly on, they both become kind of in Grimm's yeah. or- orbit where they're both just clinging on there while he sorts everything out. And this is the thing, isn't it? They're both in Grimm's orbit. And it's yeah. it, it's Bill Murray's film in that context, isn't it? it, it it's, it's Bill Murray's vehicle. Um, it, and, you know, Loomis is there because he's 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 um Grimm's childhood friend yeah um but yeah I, I, I can't why why come along though why did he come along what 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 does Phyllis feel about this I, I didn't get the impression they were that close yeah I mean or they I mean why would they be that close why did they need a third person other than to attach more money uh to someone's body right um yeah and you could easily have 
kind of flipped or subtly changed the plot and some of the vignettes to have just two characters. Yeah. Um, if three three works out again, it's generally funny and this kind of stuff. But if Loomis needed more to do, maybe he'd been Phyllis's brother, so the connection was hers rather than Grimm's or something yeah, like that. Because yeah. he doesn't, there's not enough tension, drama or comedy created from Loomis. Um, other than no. a few moments of broad comedy. I mean, like the moment when he jumped out of the cab and just kept running was yeah. quite funny because yeah. who, doesn't, who doesn't love someone running flat into a wall? Um, but um, yeah, I quite I quite liked his I quite like the scenes of his in the um, bank vault as well, which is kind of over the top. He looked yeah. a bit like Rolf Harris in his eighties <laughs> heyday. <laughs> so you know, uh, I, I quite like that. I thought that was quite funny. But yeah, I think I think I, I tend to agree with you. But then it is I think it is so much of a Bill Murray film. Yeah. that it's inevitable that the other two characters or the other two actors are going to be slightly sidelined in that regard because it, it, for me it's a bit like and this isn't a criticism of the film by the way i think i think this is a a, a, a virtue of the film a lot a lot a lot of the a lot of the plot is simply vignettes getting from one Very place so, to yeah. another right and that's okay you know they're like sketches aren't they yeah. um, which which kind of links back to his background in saturday night live so they, they are you know you've got you've got eight or nine sketches that fill the second and third acts of the film and in that regard all of the supporting cast have a bit part and i think actually interesting i think i think phyllis and loomis have bit parts but they're just bit parts in all of the vignettes yeah rather than being the main character or a, a a main character. Yeah, I think from the vignettes, this is the thing, it, if you're right about the being sketches, I felt there wasn't enough strong ones there. Um, and that was a big problem here because there's there's a scene later on when Phyllis is listing the reasons why, you know, she thinks Grimm has gone off the deep end or he's become a, a different person. It's like saying, oh, you, you, you stole money off the mob, you did this, mm. you did that. And it turns out that this and then that were nowhere as, as high stakes as taking money from the mob. Grimm hasn't done an awful lot other than flounder along with the rest of them. Yeah. And and so it's it's like we should have had three or four adventures as on the, the hijinks level as convincing the mob you're their bagman. And yeah. there wasn't that there. It was like there was, you know, things like they saw two people have a joust on bicycles or they, <laughs> they could they couldn't get a sign um to display or whatever. And things like that. And I thought, well, if you're gonna do that, then you need to, you know, show Grim navigating through the city. But actually it's funny when they can't, it's funny when they're all floundering. Yeah. <clears throat> Um, like I said, the fact they meet a bus driver who is who is so set in his ways now will refuse to take anything other than exact change. Yeah, that was that was quite good. Um, I do think um, where does it come from? So I think the 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 premise is a fun one. I think the premise of a Kenny very, is very successful bank heist, and the problem is in the getaway, and the, the fact that that you know they can out, out, outwit the cops and the security and everything, but it's real life that grinds them down and, yeah. and thwarts them. I think that's a good idea. Um, I think structurally, though, it's a bit it's a bit odd, a bit imbalanced. That the most exciting bit is the first act. I mean, that's the bank robbery, mm. um, and uh, so I think even though that's the point of the film and the story, it does throw you off balance a bit because you've had what is essentially set up. And you need the setup to see that Grimm is, is smart and how he gets away with this kind of stuff. But it's it's a lot of this bit. And then yeah. you kind of, you, the tension drops dramatically. Um, and uh, so, yeah, here's the interesting thing, right? So I am not sure I agree. And and the reason why I say that is because I've, you know, in, in, in remembering Quick Change, so I've seen this, yeah. Uh, I've seen this once or twice a long time ago. So it's not it's not in my you know it's not in my consciousness necessarily. Yeah. I, I don't really remember much of the bits and bobs of the film, but I know that I've seen it. Yeah. Um, 
I, I did recall feeling when I when I when I was reflecting back on what I felt about it the first time I'd watched it. Yeah. It was the 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 bank heist scene. I think is the least successful bit of the film in my right. mind. Um, and I've not seen anyone talk about it like this. It all seems to be actually it's brilliant. The first fifteen, actually the first twenty minutes, twenty five minutes are fantastic. Yeah. Then the tension is lost and it gets it loses its way a little bit. In in the bank heist scene, I didn't laugh once, really, and I didn't find the premise of I didn't find bill murray dressed as a clown inherently funny right okay. and i think that's a problem um because it it, it i was thinking this you know, god you know i'm not going to give this a particularly good score because i'm just not enjoying this as yeah. soon as they were out and they got on their adventure to get to the airport i was i loved it i was fully invested in it and um you know, I'm, I might not have laughed at all in the first 20, 25 minutes. I probably didn't stop laughing up until <laughs> the end credits came up after that. And yeah. so for me, the best bits, the best bit of the film was when they were out of the bank. The heist was done and it was just them trying to get to the airport. It reminded me of Planes, Trains and Automobiles when the 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 the, 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 the comedy comes from the the comedy comes from the difficulty of yeah. getting somewhere. It doesn't come from someone dressed as a clown and doing a, a bank heist that's funny right yeah that for me that isn't funny what's funny is everyone getting really stressed and annoyed about the fact that they can't get somewhere where they need to be yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's like what is, that. What's, what's that film with um john cleese clockwise clockwise it's like yeah. that you know it's Absolutely, like, yeah. i find that really funny i don't know why yeah. so i could i could i could have lost the bank robbery right really i know you have to have it but i could yeah this is my point when i said um again it's it's the it's the most exciting bit i, I mean in in structure i don't mean oh, i see film. what you mean yes, yes. So, okay. so it's um, needed to set the rest of the film up yeah. isn't it yeah yeah i know i again, i i i smiled at some of the moments because there was some moments like when bill murray's confronting the yuppie or whatever and then basically just, yeah. and, and but then it's not this laugh kind of, out loud it's though. not laugh out loud it's bill murray doing bill murray stuff like say yeah. the, the bank manager um is, is very is, is actually probably a very calming influence um, yeah and this kind of stuff and and yeah, it's all that kind of stuff but yeah when he's talking to rutzinger he has a few one-liners but i um, so yeah the funny part is definitely the getaway or the failed getaway in terms of watching it, but the the syntax of a of a plot, if you know, of a film yeah, rather, yeah. is it's the bank robbery is the bit you geared up for, and it comes yeah. in so quickly and so and it, it begins. It has to, um, but it lasts 20, 25 minutes. So yeah, it's, and it's not a long film. It. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, oh, I love it. Ninety minutes in and out, yeah. loved it. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, but um, so so a lot of the film is devoted to a bit that is kind, well, almost essential. You need you need to have the bank robbery, but not um, relevant. But yeah, but not relevant because we're, we don't we, we don't see Phyllis and Limbs because they're playing roles and all their, their roles are basically to basically be innocuous because they don't want to be recognised and then get sent out. Oh, well, Loomis has to be over the top and get kicked out. But either way, um, they were just meant to be a mm. guy in a beard, a woman in a blonde wig and and um, Bill Murray in, a, in an orange wig. So they've got to do it all. They've got to show us how he gets it away with it. They've got to show the master plan. And I suppose they've got to devote enough time that it's credible. The planners yeah. thought it out, but this is what I mean by the, the flaw of the film. What's necessary to the film in the plot draws away was from the experience of the film, because clockwise is a good example. He's missed his train by about ten minutes in. That's yeah. it. It's, it's on. Um, yeah. and then, that on. He <laughs> yeah. never stops missing never trains stops, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And this thing. 25 minutes in their plan is working perfectly so we got basically an hour for things to unravel and it's yeah. not enough time yeah. um and and that's the thing and then it builds up slowly they lose their luggage and then they're delayed when the fire hydrant thing goes off and like i say the the film the, the scene we were just describing when it all comes together when they're trying to get on the bus and they're driving the change and he's breaking the change and the woman's trying to pack her bags and yeah. mario comes along and everything's kicking off 
that's that's in the midpoint of their adventure. It's like there's another 20 minutes to go. And I think it, it does, even though the bit with Russ Crane is funny, Mr. Lombino is funny, yeah. it's nowhere near as everything is unraveling at this precise moment. Yeah, you, you that, almost want that to be the end. Yeah, that's the that, denouement, yeah, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, yeah. that needs to be the because that was absolutely hilarious. And if that had been the ending, if they somehow managed to work the plot so that that was somehow them getting on the plane yeah. or whatever, I would just, you know, <laughs> the, the plane driver would exact change or whatever, I would just be in bits because you'd leave the movie thinking, oh my God, that was fantastic. But it's, <laughs> it's just another, it's just a very funny vignette that brings everything together and then moves on i thought they've they've placed that in the wrong place and i don't know how it would work like i said i've, I've picked normally i come up with the solution of a, of a film which I, I like to rewrite the plots but this i can't work it out i don't know how yeah. they could have established the bank robbery in a convincing way to get all the pieces in place and had the farce of them getting away so that it ended in, in a kind of a high farce and it's it's tricky and i wonder is it just a, it's just a very tricky story to tell even though the premise is it's easy, bank robbers, and then the getaway goes to hell. Mm. It's hard to tell that story because they may even clockwise petered out towards the ending as well. Yeah, you, yeah, it does, doesn't it? You end a fast. It's just it, very it's, hard to do. And also, yeah, you, you, can, you can't, you can only take so much of it, can't you? There's only yeah. so much. Oh, here's another thing yeah. that, that is funny, but I've just seen something that's similar and funny. Yeah. So it doesn't be one day. Is that is actually this movie just less than the sum of its parts? The acting is great. Some of the scenes are hilarious, <laughs> yeah. um, and the, the one lines are good. But it put it all together, and you're not quite there. And I think yeah. that might explain why it did badly because it's people would go into it thinking, "Am I watching a bank heist robbery? What what are I taking yeah. from this?" And 25 minutes on, I think, "Is it still a heist robbery?" <laughs> yeah. So I, I wonder whether you you um you just dis, you describe it as as the, the the individual component part the individual component parts being you know well made um you know well acted it's funny etc but it doesn't it doesn't quite hang together and i note that there are two directors and i no. i do wonder i mean i don't know but i wonder whether the fact that it has two directors means that there is particularly with comedy that there there's a lack of focus that there is maybe um it isn't it isn't one it isn't one vision of the film so you're right with that that the midpoint of their um, journey to the airport it's not the midpoint of the film it's the midpoint of the journey to the airport where everything coalesces around the bus and the uh the 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 the, the supermarket and, and the 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 mafia but is is the end it sh that should be the end of the film yes. and I, I wonder whether you've got a situation where you've got bill murray and howard franklin not coming to a conclusion you know not having the strength of conviction in their own vision of what should be so things are not quite in the right place things are not quite done in the right way I you know I, th I think there's something there about that um they don't quite it doesn't quite fit together in one coherent form um because you don't often get dual directors that are clearly you know you, you might get you know siblings or or people that work together all the time but you know Barry, bill murray and howard franklin i mean huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> they're just two random people aren't they yeah um so yeah that might be the thing too but uh it's a, but can that said, again, having no flip back to the some of its part, it is, I've, I've mentioned this before actually, films I really admire is films that um, kind of go above and beyond and try harder than they need to. I think I mentioned Nuns on the Run as a film that is yeah. essentially um, middle of the road, but they tried so hard to pack a lot of jokes in there. And this was the same, I mean, we mentioned the sewer gag, that was just a completely throwaway gag that they could have made a lot of, but yeah. actually it was just like, uh, and if you spot it, it's funny, if you don't, it doesn't matter. There's a scene where at the beginning when um, all the, the, the cops are getting ready and there's a quick montage of guns being loaded and ends up with a hot dog having mustard thrown on it. It's like, ka-ching, <laughs> ka-ching, ka-ching, yeah. I also like, and you're right, it, it works hard for this. There's a, uh, a couple of scenes with the bank guard 
who um who is who is being interviewed by the police and he's basically just making up how um courageous he was during during the bank robberies it's he's really funny he's, 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 he's a tiny old man and he immediately yeah. falls as soon as bill murray appears at the door he like surrenders immediately yeah. hands over his gun and everything yeah but when he's been to he goes so firstly the big one cold cocked me <laughs> he's like, all three of them cold cocked me and then he brings out a bowie knife now i don't like knives <laughs> I think it's uh, but there's there's things like that. Like say when the uh, the yuppie who's watching takes over. Um uh as soon as they, they they kind of free the people, just hear at the back shouting, Has anyone seen a watch? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or when the bank manager comes out and is is he comes up to Rotzinger and says, Look, I really want you to thank you for getting all of the hostages out safely, but our stakeholders will hold you personally responsible for the money being left uh, that would leave the bank. So you know it's 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 it little... goes again because the bank manager is, is just very really friendly and calm. He goes, "Thank you so much, but I am going to tell you, you can expect no help whatsoever." <laughs> the, the sta- in fairness to our stakeholders, we're going to make the police seem as bad as possible. How yes. many stakeholders did you have? Three. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but to reiterate, thank you. Yes, because he's just he's a harmless middle manager who really appreciates what happened. But, he's, yeah. uh, but look, and here's here's something, and I I only spotted it on the rewatch. Um, I don't know. I, I can only assume this is a maybe it's not, but I think it's a deep joke. Um, is that uh, the opening scene when Grimm is, is dressed as a clown, getting off the train? There's a bit of argy bargy gets through the bus, and then he walks up um, out of the train station, and there's various things as well, like the, it's people run over his feet, and he yeah. walks past a, a clip joint, all this kind of stuff. But as he exits the train station, he walks right above a poster saying, "This train now runs to JFK. You can yes. take a train right to the airport." And I thought. Did they, you know, because they basically spend their entire time desperately yeah. trying to get to the airport. I thought, yeah. is that an Easter egg saying if they only just caught the train, they'd be That's there. a good point, isn't it? Yeah, I'm sure it is. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's the only thing you would really get on second viewing, isn't it? I yeah. noticed that as well, but obviously I couldn't remember, I, I didn't twig at yeah. the time, but yeah, yeah, I think it is. So you're right, it, it works hard to deliver entertainment doesn't it yeah um and and that i i think that goes a long way in, in it goes a long way in comedy particularly so for me some some in, in this film something works just often enough for it to be a really entertaining 90 minutes right i mean j- j- just when you think you might be flagging something else happens which is hilarious <laughs> really really hilarious yeah i i've not laughed as much as i have watching this for a long time and i do find comedy is a really difficult thing to get right I think it's the hardest genre yeah. to be successful in because comedy is so subjective that if if you do find a comedy that really makes you belly laugh, and this did on a few occasions make me belly laugh, you, you've got to give it credit for that. Um, I, I'm I'm going to be slightly um, more kind to it, even even if even in its kind of as you describe it, it's the syntax of its plot. Um, I I absolutely agree with you that that it's it, it's it's perhaps it's a it's a jigsaw puzzle that's been put together not quite right, perhaps, in that context. But if it's just about entertainment and just about enjoying what you're watching, notwithstanding the the, the bank heist, which I, I get has to be there, the, the 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 final hour of the film, I thought, was absolutely sterling, top-notch entertainment in terms of comedy um, that, that had a really happy ending, which <laughs> I, 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 I don't think is... Um, is seen as important and enough in 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 kind of comedies uh, yeah. nowadays just a, a good solid happy ending and everybody for everyone 
for Rotzinger, for Grimm, for Phyllis, for Loomis, for everybody. Everyone's that's, that's a good point good. with Rotzinger, actually. He's not seen as an antagonist. He is no, a, he he's a very competent, very he's intelligent. He's a diligent, he a diligent um, determined chief of police doing his job. Yeah. And yeah, eventually gets you know, the collar of his career. And, yeah. and we know he's sensitive because he talks to um, Tony Shalhoub's character with with compassion. Yes, yeah. Right? So he, he's not an antagonist. He's a good cop. And they and all, you, you know, all win, yeah. Yeah, and you want him to do well, and he does. I must say as well, in Easter eggs, I don't know why this is, but there is some, also some very awkward hand-holding in this movie, and I don't understand yeah. what the joke is. What, what, the, yeah, what's the scene? The Two scenes. It's two scenes. First scene is where Grimm takes the um, the bank manager off to make his demand call, and instead of like holding him by the arm, which he does in the next scene, he, he just him. takes him gently by the hand and leads him off. And the, uh, and the, ca the camera lingers on it, doesn't it? Yeah, and the, the bank manager is a bit perfumed. And then later on, it happens with Rotzinger. Rotzinger's talking to his lieutenant. Um basically about saying you know um why am i in this job you know this is terrible and then they find the lead which is basically some people have jumped out of a moving cab and he goes that's them let's go and he takes him by the hand and they walk <laughs> Like, what, what is this calling back? It's very mm. strange. Never paid off. I've made anything of it. And thinking, there's a lot of handholding. Fair play. But <laughs> yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah. Where's what's that all about? Yeah. Um, is there anything else you wanted to discuss about the the, the themes of the film? Uh, no, I think I've covered everything up there. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, um, what about other films? The film that the film that I have um, in. In, in in my head, other than the the kind of clockwise and the um the kind of train spans and automobiles, is, is After Hours, a Scorsese film, which oh, I think yes. is 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 much maligned and perhaps unloved um in terms of his oeuvre. I mean, it's a good film and it's you know relatively well known film, but I think in terms of a Scorsese film, it's not one that you kind of pick out. But that has a very similar. Uh, I th I think uh, I think Quick Change is a a sunnier more upbeat version of after hours yeah after hours is darker you know it's about a, a, a guy you know during the night um you know, trying to kind of um meet um you know various individuals and you know go to, to go to a party and all this kind of stuff as well so yeah. it's you know it's a darker film and it's it, it's a slightly sinister film as well although it is a comedy nominally yeah. um so i think quick change kind of fits into that it, it's the it's the yin to its yang perhaps yeah. um i also think as as much as scorsese is revered i think after hours as, as good as it is is love is 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 a well-loved film it's a it's a critically acclaimed film because it's a scorsese film yeah. and I, i'm not sure i agree with that necessarily i think it's a good film but you know just because scorsese directed it doesn't make it a great film yeah i suppose on the uh, 80s films where you know um reality gets in the way of a very simple plot to solve there's um slight tangent adventures in babysitting oh yeah that's a good one as well. that's yes. what they, all they need to do is get a, a, a spare tire for their car and it lasts the entire film because reality and the city gets in the way yeah uh, so that's a similar plot again nowhere near as, as knockabout but it is slightly farcical and, and good fun yeah it is isn't it very good so um obviously dear listener you have a uh, a themed weekend coming up where you can watch <laughs> what, what might be quite stressful films about trying to get somewhere that you can't um <laughs> but there we go um anything else you wanted to add here before we move on to the scores on the doors no welcome to season five You're welcome to be like this <laughs> it is isn't it <laughs> very good well, dear listener, um, do join us for the scores on the doors. Uh, get yourself another cup of tea. You probably need to go to the toilet by now as well. Um, and uh, yes, we, we will reveal uh, the scores and um, what we'll be watching in February.
Welcome back, dear listener. It's um, the scores on the doors time. Uh, as tradition befits, it's uh, Hugh's film. So uh, he goes first. Um, Hugh, what uh, what are you going to give Quick Change? This is one of the reasons why I like, again, the Weekend at Crombies, the uh, the podcast, not the, uh, <laughs> not the experience, <laughs> is that again, it's, it's a good talk through the film and it does change the way I feel about it. Um, I came away from the film thinking one thing and just having raked over it, I, mm. it has changed my opinion of it. And I think I, I I stick with the fact that its structure is ambitious and almost by the nature of the plot is flawed in a way that I, I cannot see how it could have helped itself. Um, and, I, and it is, I think, less than the sum of its parts, which again has fantastic talents from top to bottom um, and some really, really funny set pieces. But I think... Yeah, ultimately, you were right. As a piece of entertainment, as the way I felt about it at the end, um, I think I'm giving it four out of five. Very good. Um, thank you for that. Hugh, four disembodied Crombie heads out of five. A, a, a good start for Hugh this year. Um, I, uh, I I was thoroughly entertained by Quick Change. I, I do take the I take the structural issues of the film. I I think that the the oddly the bank heist at the start is is a bit of a problem actually. But um, nevertheless, you know once it once it gets going, once it gets out, I, I didn't stop laughing. And you know all of the vignettes, all of the sketches are hilarious. I don't think there's a I don't think there's a dud in all of them. E even even by modern standards, the Tony Shalhoub sequence, <laughs> I, I probably shouldn't have laughed as much as I did, but I just found it absolutely hilarious. Everything about it was brilliant. Um, and I think sometimes you have to go with the emotion of the film you have to go with what it's trying to do and you have to um you have to kind of believe in it a little bit and and just go with the flow and and i was thoroughly entertained it does enough i think uh, as a comedy um which is not easy at all so i'm also going to give it four disembodied crombie heads and for me it's a solid four wow there we go a good start for 2022 Strongest? Yes, and if uh, if Bill Murray should happen to be listening as he tunes past, um, I hope this in some way redeems the massive critical failure of the film. The fact that oh. we've given it four out of five each and a strong start. Probably one of the strongest starts we've had to a year. It probably is, isn't it, actually? Yeah. Well, now, w welcome to my choice, then. Indeed. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Do you know I was avoiding that, James? So now you've you've had two months off because we've been around yeah. again. So I tell you what, what I am gagging to, to choose a film. I am gagging for it. Um, so yes, it's the it's the part of the the podcast that everyone loves. It's the, the end of the show. Least predictable part of the season, I think. Because at least you, you could you could throw a pin in any movie from the nineties and hit my selections, but we have no idea where this is going. Well, it is a nineties film. Oh. Um, nineteen ninety four. It is the secret of Rowan Inish. The secret of Rowan Inish. <laughs> of course it is. Do you have any idea what I'm talking about? Uh, in in general or right now? Because the answer to both is no, not much. <laughs> well, there we are. That's the film that we will be watching. Secret in of film. Rowan Inish. I, I can't even Google that. <laughs> oh dear. And on that, on that on that bombshell. Uh, we will we wish you yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah go on. let us let us uh strap the uh, the dollar bills from off our legs and uh and don some summer clothing as we fly after martinique and we wish you all a very happy and a very healthy weekend at crombies good evening all weekend at crombies. welcome dear listener um it is 
Oh, let me start again. Start with an erm. You can't start with an erm, <laughs> can you? God, dear. We begin season five as we, we have all the other ones. With an erm. <laughs> <laughs>